You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's Bridget here. I'm delighted to introduce you to Monica Dunbar, a sommelier whose journey from Denver to the sun-kissed shores of the Cayman Islands is as intoxicating as the wine she expertly curates. With a career that spans continents, Monica found her passion for wine while navigating the vibrant wine scene of Denver. However, it was her leap to the Caribbean where she landed a coveted position at the only five-star resort in the region that truly defined her trajectory into the world of wine. Join us as Monica takes us on a voyage through her remarkable journey, sharing the stories, the challenges, and the triumphs that have shaped her career. From uncorking her first bottle to curating prestigious wine lists at a world-class resort, Monica's tale is one of dedication, resilience, and an unbridled passion for the art of wine. Get ready to be inspired as we raise our glasses to Monica, whose journey into the world of wine will undoubtedly leave you thirsting for more. So sit back, relax, Grab yourself your favorite glass of wine and enjoy the show. Monica, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Bridget, for having me. It's absolutely an honor to be here and talk through my journey with you. All right. Well, let's start off. Can you tell our listeners about your background? You know, where did you grow up and what really brought you into the wine world and ignited that passion that you have today? Definitely. Well, Bridget, I grew up in Southwest Michigan, where it's really the the fruit belt of Michigan, where you're surrounded by agriculture and and farming and and everything that really encompasses the the hard worth ethic really behind that. And, And truly, when, as I got older and really found my passion through wine, it always connected me back to uh, the, those those native roots of growing up in Michigan and understanding really what farming truly means and why in the wine world, as well as even in the spirits world, why our agriculture uh, really means so much and, and less of a, of, a, of a hand really when it comes to um, the, the world of wine and, and wine making. And for me to be able to really understand that it truly starts um, in, in the field and, 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 and the, the organic narrative really starts with organic farming. To really understand what that means uh, as, a, as a child, it's, it's really uh, fantastic for me to be able to, to, to have this come full circle. For me now uh, as a sommelier and to be able to recommend and to be able to buy um, particular wines, a lot of my questions really comes from that. And it comes from organic farming. It comes from, do you have a full-time, um, you know, full-time team that actually goes in and harvests? 
Do you actually have those individuals, you, you know, and, and, and do you really take care of their families? And, uh, you know, are we thinking about the next generation? All of those questions really mean a lot to me. And I always kind of find myself uh, re-energizing those questions back to whoever I'm buying from, as well as when I'm telling the story on the dining room floor, I feel like that or organic narrative really kind of comes out because it really means a lot to me. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny, like how much, you know, I, I grew up and I currently live in a very small town outside of Chicago. I am surrounded by agriculture and that has <laughs> influenced my career a thousand percent, you know, always wanting to take mother nature's finest during that season, right. And putting it in a glass, like my mother would never ever have like cucumbers on our plate during the winter because they didn't grow in my grandfather's garden in the winter, right? So that was definitely something in the summer. So I totally understand and respect your point of view. Can you tell our listeners, when was that moment when you were like, wine, this is it for me. This is what I want to do. This is the world that I want to be in. Well, having been being in the uh, hospitality industry for for over two decades. Uh, my introduction to hospitality was actually more on the rooms division and finance and revenue management and things that are a little bit more serious, right? And Bridget, as you've gotten to know me, I'm very passionate. And uh, the, the connectivity really uh, to an individual, that's really what makes me tick. And as, as, as much as I think that I, I really was very successful in my early career, um, there was still something missing. And, you know, I, I did a lot of task force kind of in my early 20s, and I was able to really travel through throughout the U.S. And, and really, at the end of my day, I always seemed to connect with the food and beverage teams. And, and we, you know, we'd be sharing a beer at the end of the night, a glass of wine, and I would always ask them about their day. And they would always be able to tell me about this, this connection. And it was really a connection that I didn't have at the front office. I didn't really have at the time of Revenue management kind of sitting in my office, if you will. And I really thought to myself, man, I might be missing a mark. Like, am I really, am I on the wrong side of things? You know, the food and beverage industry, I never really kind of thought about it. But really, why I love hospitality and why I love the hotel business so much, it seems like they are able to, um, you know, get a little bit more of kind of that face time with the guest. And that's kind of, for me, what was missing for that. And so uh, I was able to uh, really kind of restart. And it was really through Lowe's Hotel. That was a four-star hotel in in Denver, Colorado. That really kind of gave me that that first chance of restarting when it came to food and beverage. And I I really kind of wanted to to start and and learn from the, the ground up. And really through that experience, I was able to really learn multiple positions, learn, uh, you know, uh, wear many hats. And it was actually through that experience, it was the aha moment that I was like, oh, it's through wine because I started to learn about wine and I started to hear about these stories. And at the end of my night, I would, I would read a lot and it was always this history behind it. And originally I thought I really originally wanted to go to school for anthropology, but I really learned kind of really from, from the beginning. I'm like, you know, coming from such, such a small town, you know, I couldn't really wrap my head around that that I could really make a career and be able to make, make money out of it. So hospitality was really kind of what, what took me from that. But my passion for anthropology, the, the study of people, the past, the present, really all of that truly encompasses the, 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 the world of wine. 
And so I was able to bridge both of those really together. And that was really the aha moment that I could then transcend what I learn and, and how I'm able to learn others and, and learn, learn the stories and to, to be able to then bring that on uh, the, the, the dining room floor of, of, of you know, the service and the, and the song of dance of what we do in hospitality. And so I just absolutely love that. And, and it was really through that experience that I was like, this is what I really need to, to, to master. And this is really what I need to gravitate toward and, and, and really hone in on uh, the, the wine world. So was that where you started your journey, obviously, to become a sommelier? That is, that is correct. It, it was really through, through that. And uh, there, our, our executive chef at the time, his wife worked at a, an Italian restaurant with an all-Italian wine list. And really at the time, I was definitely so green and, and so new, um, but I, I'm very res- resilient and not necessarily scared to, to really learn new things. And it, it was through that that um, I picked up a, a part-time job. And uh, it was really through that experience that I really tried to, to really master my craft. And, and I, I have to be honest, Bridget, at the beginning, you know, when I, when I would open up this wine list, yeah, of course, being from Michigan, you do understand, you know, the Bordeaux varietals and, and learning Napa and, and, and the U.S., but, but really learning all Italian was definitely a, a far stretch for me. But uh, I, I was really surrounded by a great mentor and uh, just a really great tribe where we were able to learn at our own pace. And I think that's very, very important. And uh, at, at first, I was really I was definitely afraid of when someone would open up that wine list. And they they would look at it, and I, I tell this I tell the story to to new uh, sommeliers really trying to get in the field because you you always start somewhere. But it was really through through that example that I was able to really find my resilience and 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 to really study and to be disciplined to really learn uh, this all Italian wine list. And if you could believe, by the time that I left there, I definitely mastered. And I, I just couldn't believe that uh, the, the, the world of Italian wines and, and all the regions I, I really had had down. And uh, through that experience, it really gave me the confidence to then uh, reach out to uh, other areas of the world, specifically Napa and Burgundy. Uh, and, and really, it was through that experience that I, I wasn't afraid then to go for my next promotion uh, and, and to go for the, the, the next job that I only really saw many, many light, uh, light years down the road. Well, let's talk about what that next job was and what did it mean to you? Definitely. Um, so so after, after the Italian restaurant, I, um, I, I met a gentleman who was also attending the Boutique Wine School, International Wine Guild that was there in Denver, Colorado. And uh, he owned a music venue. Uh, and, and it was also a, a Italian-based food as well. But his love was 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 the world of Napa and and Sonoma, and and so I was able to actually learn quite a bit um, from him. But through my experiences in hospitality and and the way that you know you, you welcome in your guest and 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 the world of of creating these once in a lifetime ex- experiences, we were able to do that through the music venue because every day was completely different. We may have gotten you know sometimes we were we would get a headlining band in. Or sometimes we would have, you know, um, local musicians and, and just the, the organic uh, connectivity and, and, and really the magic that you can make that happen. Uh, it, it, was, it was a lovely change to, to kind of get out of the hotel world and be able to just kind of get into like this, this grassroots and 
just everything was just so organic and you never really knew what would happen or who would come through your door. But every day we, the common theme was great food, great vibes, you know, great wines, great stories, you know, uh, family wines and, 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 and the, the, you know, just anything that would kind of lead you into this really cool narrative that we, we, we could carry on. And it was really through that experience. I was, um, I was like, oh, it's through events and, and it's through things that you can really create the, the, this magic. I was like, that's really what I, I want to hone in next and, and, and to be able to, to focus on. So then um, there was a uh, head sommelier position that came open at the, at the Ritz-Carlton. And, and as you can imagine, you know, um, when, when you hear the world of Ritz-Carlton, you hear this, you, you know, even for me now, I get these goosebumps and I, I think of this luxury feel and I think of, you know, the, the top 1% of hospitality professionals. And I thought to myself, wow, am I ready? And my previous place, I was the beverage director where I was really um, managing the, the cocktails and, and the whole program. And I was really even kind of getting into the, the music scene. Um, but here, what I really wanted to, to focus on is the luxury segment of it. And the luxury segment of what the Ritz Carlton means, and more than anything, that the type of guests that 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 you would be able to get in, right? Um, and and to be able to hone in on that the luxury good that maybe my previous positions I didn't necessarily have the exposure to. You know, we weren't we weren't cracking open uh, you know DRCs, but when when I was able to get the opportunity working for the Ritz Carlton. Uh, I, I certainly was was able to uh, understand some some of those world some some of the world of wine when when it comes to the the luxury uh, feel and the luxury allocations that only this company uh, you know uh, could could obtain and, and and so I had worked there for a little over five years and the restaurant that had just so happened to be inside the Ritz Carlton was John Elway Steakhouse so it was not only the the Ritz that um, you know. Uh, I was able to, to gravitate toward and, and learn and grow, but it was also uh, having a destination restaurant of, um, you know, famous football players and the world of John Elway and, and everybody being so supportive when it came to a local feel in, in Denver. So that, that really kind of fast forward uh, my education and exposure to the wines I just never uh, was able to get my hands on. And so through really that experience, um, I was able to, again, build your tribe and, and kind of learn at your pace and to be able to grow something um, uh, at your own and really put your mark on it. And, and so really through those five and a half years, um, I was really able to do that and had a really great boss in the beginning to be able to really kind of take me in and, and to uh, kind of, you know, explain what the world of Ritz-Carlton really means and where my career could really be. And, you know, he told me one thing. He said, you know, treat this as as like it would be your own business. Treat this as like your own money. You know, when, you, when you're buying these goods, would you buy this for yourself or somebody really trying to just sell this on you? Like really make it meaningful and, and make it meaning, you know, because this is going to be your legacy. You're not necessarily buying for yourself right now to sell. You're buying for the legacy for the next five to 10 years. And, you know, your, your, your successors will continue to tell your story through your, your buying. And, um, I, I never, I never really, uh, at the time I didn't necessarily understand that, but I really took that to heart 
And, uh, you know, you know, that was a great, uh, you know, w- those were great words of wisdom because it really set the tone for, for me to, number one, uh, t- take it on as my own and really to feel the empowerment to be able to be behind it and, and feel, uh, be backed up really, really um, by those, uh, by the, by the words from him. And, and so really through that, uh, I, again, I wasn't really afraid. I, I was very resilient when I didn't necessarily know the, these wines. I really took the time to educate myself and, and dedicate myself to, to my studies and, and ask many questions. That's another thing too, is sometimes we, we, we get to a specific position and we might be afraid to ask those questions. And we might be a little shy. And, and what I would recommend to those is, is don't be shy because the ones in the back that ask them more of the questions, those are actually the ones that are very inquisitive. They're the ones where, um, you know, their, their mind doesn't necessarily stop. And, and so I really wanted to, to take that on for myself. So that way, then the education piece never really shuts off. Because the more that you learn about the, the world of wine, the more you realize you don't know. And, and, and that, 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 that's truly okay. Because again, we're, we're, we're going at our own pace. Working at the Ritz-Carlton, then I was able then to meet other, um, you know, sommeliers in my, my position. And more than anything too, I was able to go on um, sommelier trips that were then hosted by wineries. Uh, I was able to go through Pinot Camp. And again, I just received the, the, this exposure that I, I never had before. And honestly, I, 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 took, I, I didn't take it for granted. I, I really uh, signed up for everything and I would take the tastings. And if there was a new vintage or whatever you wanted to teach me, I was really there to, to learn. And I think it really fast forwarded um, my, my success. And then um, working for the Ritz-Carlton about two years in, I met a gentleman by the name of Michael Kennedy. And, um, you know, his story is very strong here in Grand Cayman because uh, he was once the head sommelier here um, for Blue by Eric Repair. And then we were actually able to, to connect. And then um, he actually left here and started his own wine, wine company, uh, Vin Fresh. And he also was the, the, the winemaker at the time. And again, it was through his connections uh, that he was able to um, start this company. And in 2014, I think that was the year, he started this company with two barrels of Petit Verdot, really showcasing the, the best of single vineyard, single varietal but at the highest quality possible. And again, who doesn't want to tell that story? And now, you know, he has four wineries underneath his belt. And through, through the pandemic, we were always connected, but I never had the chance to, to really fully understand his wine. And through the pandemic, uh, you know, the first couple of months, of course, like anyone else, we were all laid off, right? And he, he, he called me one day, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you're just as scared as the rest of the, the Psalm community, but everything's going to be okay. And he goes, I'm going to send you a case of wine. And, uh, you know, you, you call me when, when, when you open that up and sure, he, 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 he totally did. And within a few weeks, you know, I put one of those bottles and I'm like, huh, single vineyard Semyon. Okay. Never, never really heard of old vine Semyon coming out of Napa, but this should be interesting. And I, I'm, I'm home all alone. My wife's still working. And I put it in the refrigerator and uh, he, I, I text him and I said, man, this wine is absolutely amazing. Like, can you call me? And he, he calls me, right? And we're, we're talking on the phone for like 45 minutes and we're geeking out about this wine and I just couldn't get over it. And, and maybe it's because I hadn't tasted some good wines in a couple of weeks. I'm not really sure, but I, I just really couldn't get over it. 
I was so taken back by the quality of his wine and and more than anything, the future of uh, where this gentleman was going, that before we hung up on that phone, he offered me a job and I took the job without talking to anyone else. And so um, I, I didn't really know where that was really going to take us. But he said, you can have the whole state of Colorado and you can sell all my wines. And I'm like, all right, well, the first thing we need to do is get your wines into Colorado. So uh, I talked to uh, a small boutique producer that I had built a great relationship with. And uh, I, I told him, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the sales manager. Like, this is going to be really a win-win um, for both of us. And, and, and I believe strongly in this. And, and for me, because I came from the buyer world, um, I had a, a strong community of buyers that I feel like I, I could really, um, you know, bring these wines. And I felt like there, there was a place in the city. And I strongly felt like there was a, there was a place uh, in the state for his wines. And, and, and so uh, we really started doing that. And I started um, carrying a, a case of wine, just like a, a sales rep, right? And, and it was great for me to understand the, the other side of it. Uh, I, I always gravitated toward um, the individual who was selling me, selling me wines and always built tr- strong relationships. Uh, and I think that through those strong relationships, I was able to understand a, a natural uh, sales act. It wasn't even sales. It's, it's just naturally where I think these wines belong. And, and this is the common thread of these wines. And, and looking at a, at a wine list, I could see a hole because as a buyer, I could know, oh, you know, you're missing this, you're missing that. And that was more of that of like how I could help then build your, build your program a little bit better based on kind, kind of what I had. Um, so, so that, that was a great experience to be able to work, uh, and, and I worked directly for him when we'd have our weekly calls. He, he was always there. So he was always constantly guiding me and, and, and connecting me to, uh, individuals that were definitely more connected than me, uh, in, in the world of wine. And then of course, um, the Ritz Carlton calls me back. <laughs> and of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, they, they, they just want to let, they wanted to let, let me know. Hey, we're not ready to to bring you back just quite yet, but we wanted to let you know that your job's not getting eliminated and we are bringing you back. And I thought that was really important for me to hear because at this point, no, we're going on like five months. And there there, there was a few rounds of calls that were given that said, um, hey, this position's not going to be moving forward or we're not going to keep this position. And, you know, the whole the whole world really went through that. And so for me, I was really ready to, to, to take on that call. But for me, I couldn't sit still. And, and, and I had to have, I, I couldn't wait, let my future just be, be sitting there. So I was ready with this backup plan with, with Michael Kennedy and, and working for Ben Fresh. But when they called me, I said, you know, I just want to let you know that I have taken this other position. However, I think that this other position that they could really go into two. And I, I really uh, um, was able to uh, um, I, I identify what I believe kind of this hybrid position could be. And as much as they couldn't necessarily give me all the hours, I didn't necessarily need all the hours at that time because I could be able to build what I had already kind of started. And so then when they called me back um, and, and, and they were ready for, to bring me back full time, they they did i they did inform me that my position would now be changed just a little bit that now i had to pick, uh, take on a little bit more of a managerial uh you know duties 
which 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 I didn't mind um, because as you could imagine, when we you came back from the pandemic, there was this uh, nurturing attribute that I really needed to bring. Um, where I think women bring to the workforce that was really important because um, things coming off the pandemic, um, we didn't really know it was those things were so uncertain. And, you know, you had to do the social distancing or you had to have these tables six feet and, you know, you you couldn't congregate. And there was just all these rules and, and shutdowns and just everything was just completely different. And as much as I had to be flexible with that, I felt like at the time I had a little bit of power to then ask them, well, hey, I need you all to be just a little bit more flexible, kind of really with me. And um, they 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 were they were willing to do it. And so um, not only did I, I was able to kind of sell wine and go see my friends throughout the day, but then around that two o'clock, three o'clock time, when I it was time for me to go hit the floor um, with the Ritz Carlton and, and John Elway's, uh, then I, I could still kind of tell the story and, and, and the, the wines were a, a big success. And I was, I was able to kind of do, to kind of do both. And it, it was just a really great feeling to be able to, to build something really, really special. Um, and, and then to also to really, um, bring back the restaurant as a relaunch through, through the pandemic, you know, we, we kind of really stopped talking about that, but I, I know that those were definitely hard and, and kind of dark times for my friends out there in, in the, in the restaurant and, and the hotel business, because it was just so different and so uncertain and the service levels that we were just so used to some of those things we, we just, we just couldn't do. And you just had to call audibles every single day, but really kind of through that. Again, you just really find your your resilience and you find, or for me, I was able to really build trust with the team. And really through that, they, they, they were willing to really kind of do anything because then we all had the same mission to relaunch um, really our brand and not to really um, sk- skip a step and, and skip a beat. And I, I think that's kind of what we were able to do uh, through, through that. And then um, through the, the pandemic, there was a position open uh, in, in Puerto Rico as a director of beverage for the Ritz-Carlton Reserve. And I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with the reserve properties, Bridget, but, you know, through through the Ritz-Carlton, there's there's uh, then a, a few. I think there's six in the world. Don't quote me there. Uh, yes, I'm very familiar with. I would love to go to all of them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Don't so we then there, all? There was a position that came open. I was like, all right, a Ritz-Carlton uh, Reserve, you know, it's it's like, Wow, the top one percent of the one percent. Like, what what does that even mean, right? Um, and and so I was able to go through through that interview process. I, I unfortunately didn't get the position, um, and that's that's absolutely okay because then it, it, it got me on this list. Or individuals knew that I was open to moving, that I was open to real again mastering my craft. Like, what's what's really next for me? There was an individual, the current director of uh, food and beverage, Keisha. She reached out to, to Michael, who, again, was the head sommelier here and really did a lot. He was the beverage director for Cayman Cookout for many years, and they had really built a strong relationship. And so she reached out to him and said, I'm looking for a beverage manager. Do you know of anyone? And he goes, well, I, I do, but... Um, she works for me and she already works at the Ritz Carlton and it probably would take you, it would take a lot for, for you to, to get her there. And of course, uh, the next day I have an, I have an email, right. And it's from her. And of course I'm like, wow, grand came in. Like, are you kidding me? The, this resort is, you know, um, 
the, 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 it's, it's, it's my bucket list. And, and the, and the stories that Michael Kennedy would talk about and how his career just absolutely flourished, um, coming from here. I'm like, I, I, I can only see just again, the, the possibilities. And for here, they were looking for somebody that then would also run not only the wine program, but also the spirits program. And again, not just one restaurant, but then six outlets and a few outlets concepts with, with really within the concept. And also I would um, really be um, a, a big part in uh, Blue by Eric Repair, which is our fine dining tasting menu. Well, you know, uh, I, I was talking to with, with a few guests uh, back in Denver and I, I was a little, little hesitant and reluctant at the time because I had such a great thing going on in Denver and, you know, it's hard to leave when you're the cool kid in town and, and, and you know, you just, everything's great, right? And everything's going, you don't really have many challenges and you're, you're, you're just like really living that high. But at the same time, it's, th- that wasn't all of me. And I, I was just, I was, I was kind of ready and my wife was very supportive. And, you know, uh, even when we first started dating, I always kind of told her, I want to, I want to live internationally. And I want to, you know, I, I, I really love diversity. And, um, even going back to my childhood, when, when you're growing up in Southwest Michigan, you live around a lot of diversity because you have migrant workers. And growing up as a kid, um, my, my friends, they would be there. Um, I, I would hang out with them all summer long and we would go to school in the fall time. And then, of course, when it started to get cold, my all my friends would go back to the South. They would go back to Texas, where then their family then could, could continue to s- support themselves. And my parents had to really teach me at a young age, really all about diversity and how every family's different and, and not, not everybody kind of goes in the same box. And um, that really resided with me. Um, and it, it did as, as an adult, because now I learn um, here in Grand Cayman, we have so many countries that live here, right? Over a hundred different countries. And could you imagine living with that diversity? I, I rarely see an American I have more Canadians around me than, than Americans here. And I never even had that much, you know, influence of even Canadians. And just the, the world, this international world, um, I, I, I just couldn't uh, imagine me not coming here and being able to, to, to or, or, you know, naturally grow into where I am today. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's been a wonderful experience. Of course, then coming here as a beverage director, or the, the beverage manager, um, you know, it, it, it's it's a big place, as you know, coming here for Cayman mm-hmm. Cook. So it's not just all about managing and, and being the best of, of what it is um, and being that trendsetter for the Ritz-Carlton. But but also uh, there was there was a bit of disconnect when it comes to the, the products that you're able to obtain here on an island. So that was kind of my, my first challenge here, right? Coming from a, a major market where I have everything at my disposal. And everything at my fingertips. Now I had to be a little bit more creative. I'm like, what do you mean I can't get pea flower gin? What do you mean I can't get these wines? I, right, I, right. The same wines I see on, on my wine list, I'm I'm seeing everywhere, and I'm I'm seeing in at, in at places where you wouldn't necessarily see them at the Ritz Carlton. So at first, my my work was definitely a cutout for me. Um, but um, my my director was was very supportive of my vision. And I, I think that's very important um, of, of the empowerment piece and the, and the culture, that entrepreneur spirit. You, you really have to have it in you uh, um, 
to 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 really uh, have have success here because they they really depend on that for you because your directors have their own job and and they they they're doing their own thing where really everyone's empowered to to make their own legacy um, in this company and as the company is expanding. Our roles are, are kind of expanding for that, and they're looking then for for their next leader, and 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 as as the company grows, and so that culture really really trickles down all the way from the top to the bottom, and it's it's really kind of through through that culture and and through the findings and 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 through the the mentorship that I'm able to to really um, you know foster and and really work through any of any of those challenges, and 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 more than anything, I have faith in the process. Uh, to, to really kind of kind of work through it, and, and I, I feel supported, and um, all the successes um, that that we find here on the resort, nothing happens overnight, and you do nothing on your own. Um, you, I, I have an army here, and and we, and as you know, coming here for Cayman Cookout, you need that army to make anything happen. And there's a lot of magic that happens here every single day, and it, it's all of us that are, are really um, dedicated to our future and dedicated to the, the, what the world of the Ritz Carlton and really what that means, um, to all of us, in, including our own families. Um, as, as you could imagine, Bridget, when, when I called my, my folks, right. The first time I go, you won't even believe it. I, I, I actually landed that job at the Ritz Carlton and they're just like, wow. Or like I tell my grandparents, they, they've never even stepped into a Ritz Carlton until recently. Right. And they're just right. like wowed by it. There, and so even when you say the name, you know, even to my family, like I said, 99% of my family members have never even stepped into Ritz Carlton, but there is this mystique. There is this, you know, uh, magic that kind of takes over that it's, wow, it is the best of the best. And this is the creme de la creme. And what did you do? And also what do you need to do to really kind of maintain that? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at here. And, you know, every, every day is different. Um, and, and as you know, um, you you were here for Cayman Cookout and you were a uh, top talent. So thank you very much for 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 coming this year. Uh, as as you notice, it's all about kind of the organic feel, the the good the it good is. feel. It is. And, um, there's just a welcoming hospitality that is um, so warm and so genuine and authentic. You know, you really feel like you're part of the family, which is um, very much appreciated when you're coming in from you know, the outside. I do want to take it back. Um, I do have uh, several questions for you. Your journey is so fascinating, Monica. Oh my God, we need to write a book about you. (laughs) We need to get that done. Okay. I want to take it back because one thing that you mentioned, you know, um, during the pandemic, it was really, you know, important for you as a woman to step in and really be kind of that soft place to land, right? For your team. When we talk about being a woman in the industry, and especially being a salmonier, when in the past, it's really been male driven, you know, just like on my side of things, on the spirit side, it's always been that male driven. Are you seeing a change within the diversity of the wine world as far as the leaders? And are you seeing more females entering the game as salmoniers? You you certainly are. And when, you know, for, for me, I, I was really lucky enough. Uh, and, and also when you do wear a name tag of the Ritz Carlton, you know, I, I think that gentlemen do extend a little bit more um, of the hospitality of being a, a lady or gentleman. Um, however, you know, I, I would say in the year of 2018, when, when I first started, uh, here's a prime example. I, I was invited to uh, uh, 
um, from the, the Psalm Journal. And um, the, the, the Wine Scholar Guild was um, uh, doing an, an, an Italian um, uh, kind of a master class at Denver University. And when, I think there was maybe 70 of us, 75 of us that were invited. And halfway through um, our, our training, you know, it was an all-day training class. Uh, halfway through it, uh, they, 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 they announced they were going to do a blind tasting. I was like, all right, well, why not, right? I was tasting all these, all these Napa wines working at the steakhouse. And uh, of course, my, my initial love for wine was it was Italian wines. And I, I said, why not? You know, we, we might as well do it. And as much as I was nervous, it doesn't really matter. It, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it, it stop being so scared in life and just go out and do it. But, but I noticed after we, we all were finished, we were in line for lunch. And I hear all these guys behind us and they're all, you know, just talking smack to each other. And they're like, oh, it was this wine and that wine. And I was like, man, these guys are way off. I was like, that wine was definitely not that. And I was like, that vintage was definitely not like that. And I was like keeping all these things in, 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 my, uh, in, in, in my own mind. And uh, of course, I wasn't saying anything, just, just be, being quiet. And of course, when they, they announced the winner, they announced third place, second place. And of course, I was never in a million years ever thinking that they would call my name, right? And guess what? Boom, they, they call my name. I could not Amazing. And you know what? All these guys were like, literally, I can, I can hear them talking shit behind me, you know, at a different table, right? And it's actually two women that were, that were first, or that were third place, second place. And first place was me. And you should have, a pin drop could have happened in that room because everyone just immediately shut up and I just could not believe it. And it was really kind of through that, that it was the, because it was definitely a male dominant, I think kind of world really up in, up until then. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the sommelier, uh, who runs Tavernetto was really kind of getting her started. There was a few of us that were kind of coming up really right around that time. But I think that was really an eye-opening experience that it wasn't definitely a ma- male world when it came to the, 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 the Denver scene, if you will. And, and again, just trying to kind of find your tribe. And as, as you see, when we would go to luncheons and, and tastings, that really, um, I started then become a, a mentor really to others. And, and, and more than anything, I feel like I'm very inclusive. And I, I really try to extend that hospitality. And, and certainly when I can do that for a woman, I most certainly do as well as I do gentlemen as well. But if there's definitely a woman that I can extend that to or introduce her, I definitely try to go out of my way to, to, to accomplish that. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible because, you know, um, I think that we have to support each other within our careers and within our personal journeys as well. So that's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Can you tell our listeners what the heck the Cayman Cookout is? How did it come to be? Who attends? What is it? Because, (laughs) oh my God, folks, I was there this year and I was blown away. Yes. So uh, Cayman Cookout, we celebrated our 15th anniversary uh, this year. And Cayman Cookout is uh, the Caribbean's most highly anticipated, most highly loved and near and dear to everyone's heart, uh, a food and wine festival that is held every year over Martin Luther King uh, birthday that, that weekend, right? As most Americans celebrate that time, and most Americans are typically off during that time. It, it was a really a great opportunity for us to be able to, to showcase this here in uh, Grand Cayman. And, and really, it, it's, it, it's a love child of uh, Chef Eric Repair. 
and through his relationships then with Anthony Bourdain and um, Chef, Chef Jose Andreas. And, and really, it, it, it was, um, you know, their, it was really kind of their idea to be able to, to come in and, and bring this explosion of, of connectivity, to be able to bring all these chefs together all in one place and um, offer a, a, and such an intimate experience where you're able to get up, up and close and be able to understand a little bit more of the personality and, and, and be able to understand a little bit more of the heart when it comes to the culinary scene. But of course, as it's grown over the last 15 years, you know, we have kind of the, the same headlining chefs um, each year that, that, that really kind of kind of bring the, the heart and soul. And of course, Chef Jose Andreas and Chef Eric Repair definitely leading the charge when it comes to that. Um, the, the others kind of come in, in and out based on what everyone has going on and what they're trying to showcase. Uh, this year, we were able to, to get Kwame and, and a few others, you know, Kristen Kish and uh, others that, that really are um, trailblazers and, and trendsetters uh, in, in, today, in today's field. Um, but of course, what comes along with that is beverage, right? You can have the best food, and but things don't get, uh, you, we need some laughs along the way. And that's really what um, uh, then the, the beverage world kind of come around, comes around, where you get master sommeliers, where you get, of course, uh, the, the best of the mixologists, where we're able to get you, Bridget, and the Charles Jolies of the world and, and everyone. And we, we get everyone down here, uh, again, with, with one mission. And, and that is just to, to showcase our, our, our master of, of arts and to, to, to really um, welcome everyone in at the highest level possible when it comes to the hospitality level. And, and, and just everyone is bringing their A game. And more than anything, it is the best vibes. It is the best energy. It's, it's, you, you cannot recreate this anywhere else in the world. Because we've done it for so long and, and, and just everyone, even the guests, we get about a third of our guests that are repeat guests that come back. They're what we call our legacy guests that come back every year and they all know each other. They follow each other on social media. And we now have this family then that supports what, what we do. And uh, yeah, I mean, every year, you know, we, we have some of, some of the, the same events that, uh, but, but then of course we change things up and, and, and we don't repeat things. So, so it, it's events that you could have five guests at, or you could have maybe 500 guests at. It just really all, all depends. And again, every year we really try to surprise and delight and bring something uh, new and, and trend setting. And it's actually in the middle of the Caribbean, if you can even imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is uh, pure sunshine. It really is. It was by far one of the best festivals I've ever been to in my 30 30- years in the industry, which is a long time. But what I thought was so neat is how intimate the events are. You know, yes, some of them have 500, you know, we were at the Google, Google dolls, you know, performed at a concert, which was absolutely incredible, but how accessible the talent is. It's, it's amazing. You're absolutely right. One specific activation that we did is with the winemaker from Opus One, Michael Salashi. And, and, and right before I left to come to Denver, I had just, uh, you know, uh, I was able to connect with the, the CEO of Opus One. And we had built a great relationship. And I remember telling Scott, I said, you know, could you imagine if this all came full circle and we were able to bring Opus One to Cayman Cookout? And that actually happened this year. And, and Michael was able to come down 
and, and, and bring a passion project of his of through Yeast Strands. And so he was able to take Opus One and, and make it the exact same way. However, just one small little bit was changed. And that was the actual uh, um, yeast strand that he was able to get from five different yeast strands. And that was either from a bark or it was from something that was from the, the field or wherever he found that he knew that would actually just slightly change the wine. And court dorks like myself can actually pick up on the subtle nuances of that. And so not only did he have his own masterclass. But he was so gracious enough, he actually did that same class with his only 18 here um, from the Ritz-Carlton. So it's moments like that. Who would ever even imagine? That was not even on the schedule. But he, we just so happened to have just a little bit of blind just left. And of course, again, stop being scared to ask the question. It's always going to be no if you don't ask. And he was absolutely nice enough to do that. And again, we were able to connect. And I, I, was, I hosted him at the Goo Goo Dolls. And so again, you know, who, who I'm at the Goo Goo Dolls with the winemaker from Opus One. It's a, de- it's definitely a dream come true. Yeah. Life is good. Would you be <laughs> open to doing a lightning round? What's a lightning round? I'm going to ask you some rapid fired questions and whatever comes to the top of your sweet mind, you just spit out. Right. What is the best wine you ever tasted? Salon champagne. Ooh, red or white? White. Cork or screw cap? Cork. Yeah, old world or new world? Old world. <laughs> Best wine under 20 bucks. Ooh. Ooh. I would say Massimo Rivetti Barbera di Asti. Ah, okay. <laughs> what is the most overrated wine trend? Ooh, most over overrated wine trend. Uh I, I would say over voluptuous hundred point Napa Cabernets. <laughs> ah! What's the most underrated wine region? All right. I'm, I'm going to go home with this one. And I'm going to say Lake Lake Michigan AVA. Ooh. All right. Yeah. That's very cool. I got to give my hometown a little shout out. Yes, you do. Wine with cheese or wine with chocolate? Wine with cheese. What is your favorite wine related movie? Uh, I'm going to go sideways. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd probably say that. If you could only drink. <laughs> if you could only drink one wine varietal for the rest of your life what would it be barbaresco i love it i love it monica i want to thank you so much for coming on served up this has been just so much fun i hope that you'll come back again as a repeat guest your story is absolutely fascinating and i know my biggest takeaway from your story is just really never be afraid to ask the question is to be bold. And I think that you've really inspired so many today with your journey. Well, thank you, Bridget, for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, just the, the, the organic connection that, that you and I have, I hope that we continue to build on that. We absolutely will. And you know, with that said, Monica, I just want to wish you some great health and a lot of peace. Cheers to you. Right back at you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!